Christ, you are Jewish. That's almost considered profanity in this part of the country. Devil's tree is acceptable, but not the other. Have a good one. You know what? I, I've been promising, and this is the time of year to do it, to retweet the verboten list. It is really long. I know it got to the point where I couldn't even get it in there. I couldn't get it all in a tweet because of the character limit there. But, yeah, it's, it's and I've got a few I'm going to add, too. Yeah. I looked the other day. I almost panicked. I couldn't find it. It was on a notes list on my phone, you know, in that little notes area. And, and that thing needs to be cleaned up. I don't know what I mean. Like, And welcome in, everybody, to SEC Football and Beyond. I am Chris Landry, going solo today, as uh, Neil is on vacation uh, with his son. We're going to get into a few things today. Got a bunch of questions that were really set in, and um, we're going to get to that. You got any questions, want to participate in the show, and we certainly encourage you all to do so. Join us in the chat room live, and you can do that. Uh, on twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. Um, very simple. You go there um, and click on the heart button. Um, join us in the chat room. Uh, you can cheer us on a few bits if you would. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you're already included with this membership, so you're in good shape there. If you're not, you can subscribe by clicking on the same subscribe button. Spread the word around if you would to all your friends about what we're doing here we're um or in the process of working through it and when we're finalizing it um as we speak been working on it and we are going to be switching over to a new podcast company that is going to really um we think take the the show to a new level so we're really excited about that more on that later uh but uh, we're we're gonna kind of get that nailed down um, you know, this, well, I say this month, July, as um, 
is uh, as we turn July 1st, what is July 1st? Thursday? Okay, yeah, so when we meet on Friday, it'll already be flipping the calendar to July. So yeah, in July we'll get it done to kind of get it going for the start of the football season. So check us out there. We've got uh, some uh, great uh, uh, sponsors, Blue Sky and Alpha Specialties, that, that we certainly hope that you will um, patronize them. We'll tell you more about them. In a bit, so we've got a lot of questions. We're going to get to that. As uh, been asked about how do I rank coaches or how do I evaluate coaches? Um, it kind of is a an interesting topic at a time where um, I've actually put some things on LandryFootball.com that I think you're going to find interesting because we're working through right now a lot of all the previews going into the season. So uh, I've got up, for example, right now. Um, the top offensive play callers in the NFL, the top defensive play callers in the NFL, the top offensive play callers in college football, the top defensive play callers in college football. And I go into that, and we're not going to go rehash the whole article, but um, you can check that out and kind of see how guys grade. Now, the big thing about it is, you know, play designers and play callers are different. We try to explain a little bit of that, but usually ones that are good at one are – are good at the other, but there's a, there's two different disciplines. But we're going to talk just in general, <clears throat> not the complete evaluation process, which would take too long, but some general things that I look for in an overview when evaluating coaches. Um, so we'll get into that. But uh, we invite your questions there and folks that are coming in. Uh, CP joins us. Good morning, CP. How are you? Uh, does Coach O keep his job? That that obviously is going to depend on this season, how this season goes. I would say, if you're asking me, I would say yes. Um, the difficulty on a situation like that is, and, and I'm assuming, and please clarify, I'm assuming you're talking about the latest situation that's come out with, which is really not new, but it but it is new. Let me explain uh, since CP brought it up. <clears throat> the issue with Derek Geis and all the problems he had, and it's all part of the the bigger sexual assault issues going on at LSU, what has changed is that since we last spoke on Friday, I don't believe I talked about it on Friday because I don't think it happened then, um, there's been someone who's gone on record and given their name as they talked to, there was this young lady who um, said she was sexually assaulted by Darius Geis. She later became a girlfriend to another player on the team. That player learned about what Darius did. That player went to Orgeron and told him that what Darius did, and the quote was, and this has also been in, this is not just a media report, this is also was on the LSU report, individual report, that Ed <clears throat> said, and he's denied saying it this way, but again, you've got a media report, and you've got an LSU independent investigation report that LSU paid for that says this, that Ed told him, uh, not pardon pardon me for saying it this way, but this is just how he supposedly said it was, uh, all girlfriends sleep around, um, which he said it didn't say it that way. Don't know. We'll see. That is obviously something that is in today's world, not that it was ever good, but in today's world, it, it will be taken negatively. But this incident is not new. It's just the thing that is new is that this lady, as uh, young girls, put her name to it. So where does this go? It's maybe a sign towards, because at this point, Orgeron has been kind of kept out of this, right? I mean, the focus has been less miles. The focus has been F. King Alexander, where they're gone. Well, we cleaned that up. Well, now it's just, um, you know, I think the, the issue is more of, what did Ed know? What did he know? I, I'll say this, and I, I've explained this before, and I'm going to get to your questions. Ben has joined us, and we appreciate 
everybody um, joining us. When when Darius Geis came out of uh, when, when he was coming out in the draft, and again, I, I, I say this a lot, and, and and it's it's probably a good thing to to mention. Neil is a great reporter. I I always like to make sure that people understand. I am not a reporter. I am not a media guy. Um, I think that's a disrespect to people that are reporters and media folks. Regardless what you think, that's just not. It's not. It's not what I do. Uh, my my background and my current work is my background is as a college coach, college recruiting coordinator, NFL coach, NFL scout, NFL administrator. So my background is on the football side. Now doing consulting work, you have access to information. So when I talk about information, it's for me, it's got to be firsthand because sources is, you know, is very, very vague. And, you know, you can take that. You don't know if you don't know what the sources are. You know, I, I tell you, and I'll tell you who my sources are. I'll tell you the firsthand folks, because I, I think that's important for you to know. Um, when, Darius guys came out of LSU. <clears throat> this stuff, which no one, it didn't come out publicly. And I'm not telling you that I, you know, did I hear things and rumors? You hear a lot of things. You don't know what's true or not. Because I'm involved uh, in the NFL and I have access to certain information, whether it's test or, you know, uh, the NFL has former FBI folks that, do background checks on all these folks. So they can find out anything. You don't need to be arrested. You don't need to be picked up. You don't need to be anything. They'll know. Trust me, they'll know. If you ran a red light in the ninth grade, they'll know. It's just how you interpret it. So when Darius came out, all this stuff came to light behind the scenes. I never talked about it publicly. It's not my place to do that. And again, can't do that. That would certainly um, jeopardize what I do. But I was aware of some of the stuff based upon that. Not because I knew this and I saw this and I talked to this. This is information that was gathered. So when you hear things like that the coaches didn't know, it is, you can't always prove that a current coach on the staff knew about this. You can make some assumptions that if you didn't know, you probably should have known, okay? But you don't know, do they know all the details? Well, when this came out, well, the first thing we got to do, and we did as a scouting community, is we approached, last we approached several people in the LSU administration, and we approached Ed Orgeron, who's an assistant. Ed actually and his wife at the time, Kelly, took in Darius, their house for a while, lived with him for a while. I don't know how long, I don't remember. It's in my notes. I don't remember. It's not relevant. He did. And so if he wasn't as if he wasn't aware of all the things that Darius was involved in, he was when we said, Coach, this is what's been uncovered in the investigative work of the NFL investigators. So at that point, you're at least aware of the investigation and did they bother to, did they, he, well, the, the quote he said, well, I'm, I'm not aware of any of that. Okay, we don't know if that's true or not, but from that point on, he certainly knew. So the, the point is, is Ed was very much aware of what was going on or was some of the rumors of what was going on with Darius. Now, did he? check into it further, chose not to check into it further because he didn't want to uncover and see what was, you know, under the rock, so to speak. That's, again, that's speculative. And, you know, people, fans of a certain school will think one way, fans of another will think differently. <clears throat> Excuse me, but he absolutely was aware of it, at least at that point forward. There was nothing... Um, there was a lot of, it was interesting because, and I always say this, uh, reporters have a tough job because they're not on the inside. I, I couldn't necessarily, if I had to go ahead and find out what's going on in 
another line of work. I I don't know. I'm, I don't know that I could be trusted to get the right information. I'm only involved in it because doing the work on the inside, you have access to it. And I, again, 95% of what I hear and know, I, I can't repeat. Um, it's not ethical. But there's a lot of things that we become aware of and then to a lot of the local media which is typical in most media locally definitely in the college media a lot of criticism the NFL spreading rumors and this kid's a good kid oh man this is you know Darius Kai's good kid all this and that don't tell me you know that they it's tough for them. They only know what they know, and they don't know what they don't know, right? So they have no way. They don't have contacts on the other side. They only have contacts at LSU. Well, what do you think LSU is going to tell them? They're going to tell the local media what they want to do. They'll throw out a few nuggets so that they'll get, you know, proper media reporting. And, and if you don't in today's world, if you got a local talk show, you're not going to get sponsors. You're not, if you've got a local website that you cover a school, if you're you're negative on the school, your people are not going to like you and not going to get sponsors or subscribers or what have you, and that's a tough that's a tough dynamic. It's the it's, the, it's a more of a philosophy. And we'll get to this. I want to get Neil involved in this one day because he's the veteran expert, media person, reporter person that we live in a different world today. Well, I don't get into that. I will tell you how I think. You may not like what I think. It's coming from my perspective as a coach or a scout, and I just tell it like it is based on the facts um, and, and my evaluation. So the point is, is I'm getting way too into this, but for CP, uh, I don't know what's going to come out that will further tie Ed to this. We, we know that he was aware. We know that he was um, – very much involved with with Darius, but we don't know all the details. I don't know. There may be other things that come out. If that comes out, if it's so bad where there's tremendous public pressure, CP, yeah, I guess. I don't know what that is, though, and I don't want to say, oh, yeah, something's coming. I have no idea if anything's coming. Here's what I tell you what's going to happen more than likely, unless it's a, like, bombshell stuff that is absolutely, I don't care who it is, you're gone, it's whatever. Because remember, this is the place that had that information on Les Miles. What he was doing and almost a, a, a very, in, very inappropriate actions. LSU knew about it. The athletic director tried to fire Les at the time and couldn't get it done. So, you know, unless there's something that completely comes out publicly, and that didn't come out publicly. That was, hey, we're going to fire him with cause behind it. They didn't want that. They didn't want the negative publicity. Well, if the negative, if the, the media in the USA Today who's been really into this finds out this information, yeah, it, 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 and it ties Ed to it. Yeah, he could be gone in a heartbeat. Anybody could. I mean, I knew there was a lot of stuff, a lot of pe the reputation of uh, Hugh Freeze was a little sketchy, but never did I know that the sh when the shoe dropped, it was going to be to the degree that it did. And look, it just happened about this time of year. Boom, gone. Could that happen with any coach? Sure. Do I anticipate it? No, because I don't know anything that's imminent. Um, w the way I think it's going to work for Ed, unless it's something like that, is if they win, it's what do you think is going to happen? Everybody's going to alibi, oh, wasn't involved, and we've cleaned this up, and he's worked hard to improve the discipline, and you know, because they're going to back the results on the field. The same way they backed Les Miles and what he was doing because they were winning at the time. If the record on the field is not very good, they're going to begin to throw that on top of it as maybe, you know, this guy is not a good guy. Look at this. There's no discipline. And look at this. We've lost two, three games we shouldn't have. You know how that stuff works. 
Grind, uh, good morning, Grind. Ben says, Chris, could you discuss the analytics at the college level versus the pros? Lane seems to be embracing it more and more. What else is, who else is doing it at the college level? Ben, everybody's, all these analysts, there's a lot of analytical stuff that goes to it. Here's the thing about analytics. General analytics is not very useful, uh, in my opinion. Well, you know, analytics say universally um, you should go for it on fourth down because this percentage of the time or whatever. What use is that over a larger broadband of things? You need to take you through film breakdown. And film breakdown is specifically this. When you you grade your team and your situations, you break down everything according to situation. Personnel groupings, down and distance, spot on the field, um, by alignment, by defensive alignment. Based upon that, you can get a good feel for it. You know what? This is... The formation, the, the personnel grouping, the formation, and the plays that are most successful in this situation. And that's useful. That's helpful. But you always have to ask yourself why. So you may be more successful, and the analytics may say, um, this is, we're more successful doing this in this situation, but it may have something to do, particularly in college relative to who you're doing it against. So the NFL, the, the difference between the two, um, you know, that, um, you know, I, I, I think that if you look at the NFL, the talent level, more evenly dispersed, um, you've got, a little bit more of a apples to apples comparison. Like for example, I think if you're if you're looking at your breakdowns and your analytics as it relates to certain level of opponents versus say your conference opponents, that's completely different. Um you can't you can't necessarily look at the same. So a lot of things are gonna work that against a weaker opponent that may not work in a normal situation. So I think you have to throw certain things out. I was doing something um, recently with, with, a, with a, uh, a college program, and you know, a lot of what they're looking at is percentages of how much man coverage do you play overall. Well, you have to throw out red zone. Why? Because most people play man in the red zone. So you can't, and if you're if you're a team defensively, that's not very good, and you play more red zone snaps than somebody else, your percentage of man in the red zone or percentage of man coverage is going to be um, tainted towards. Well, they play more man coverage. No, they just play more red zone snaps, which is mostly man coverage. So. You take the overall, that's fine, but then you take also the red zone out, and then you look at how much man, how much zone, and in what type zone, in which situation. So analytics are used, and this is what the analysts do with extra personnel. The, the more technology we have, the more people we have to be able to utilize that. Because you've got more people, what you're trying to do is to analyze and see what your tendencies are, what your opponent's tendencies are, in terms of analytics. But the analytics that matter come off of film breakdown. <clears throat> like, like, for example, if, if you know people like to look at overall numbers. Well, this guy is um, the best, you know, um, run-after-catch receiver. He breaks more tackles. Uh Okay, that's that's a stat. That tells you something, right? It tells you that he's probably got good avoid skills and he's got good strength. So how many, break it down, how many tackles does he break 
when contact is made, how many yards does he get after contact, and then how many avoidance yards does he have, meaning how many yards does he get because he's been able to shake a defender. Okay, but you have to do it upon contact. That tells you how good that player is in that particular discipline. But you can't say overall yards after catch because the receiver with the better quarterback is going to have more yards after catch. Why? If you throw a quick slant and the ball is six inches in front, that's the difference between the safety having not having an angle or if you throw it in the numbers and he has to adjust a little bit, that does what? Slow down his steps. That increases the angle of the safety. Well, it's pretty clear that the guy that's got a clear path, he's not breaking more tackles or avoiding more tackles. It's He's got a clear path, so that's different. Now, it's good. You want that, but when you're evaluating the individual player, you've got to factor all of that in. So a lot of the analytics tells you the overview. Oh, there's the best. He has more after contact. He gets more run after catch yards. Well, run after catch yards, that's great. But that doesn't tell you how good he is avoiding or breaking tackles. You've got to go into the minutia of when there's contact, when there's a chance to make a play on him, can he avoid it. Those are some general things. But, you know, for example, well, the percentage is you should go for it on fourth down. Um, well, it, fourth and short, you should go for it all the time. Well, because percentage-wise, it's 58% or whatever. Well, that, that may be, in general, an overall view. But what if in the game, you can't block the three technique to save your life? You just can't. You know, you're having trouble. It's a mismatch. Well, then, you probably don't want to go for it in that situation. Or you certainly don't want to run it in that situation there. You've got to do something... Now, if it's an obvious situation, you're behind, you've got to take some risks, that's one thing. My point is, is sometimes the percentages overall analytically say one thing, but the flow of the game, you're not able to block the three technique. You are able to block that front very well. Well, then you're more likely to go. So that's the difference when, uh, when it, uh, the, the difference. So, um... Rich says, what level of respect do NFL people and scouts have for Les Miles, despite the fact uh, what is going on? Les didn't have a huge, that wasn't really, you know, I, I think people are, you know, um, were leery. I've talked about, um, the, I think a lot of people in the NFL, personality-wise, knew that Les, kind of how he handled the when he left Michigan, and, you know, he was basically... When Lloyd Carr got sick, Parkinson's initially, he was he was trashing Lloyd Carr and, and using that in negative recruiting, which negative recruiting happens. Rarely does it get into, like, you can even say somebody who has a character problem, you might even usually even avoid that. But when somebody has a sickness, that's probably about as low. That, that's where I think he lost a lot of respect for a lot of people in football. But and we're not talking about a great football coach. If you're a great football coach, like a great football player, you can get away with more things. It's just simple as that. Chris Cole Woods. Hey, Cole. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on Kevin Kelly, the coach who never punts, being the head coach at Presbyterian? Will the style of football make it? Well, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. And in his style, it works for him. It, it works to a point. Now, um, it also means it's going to put his defense in a, in a little bit of a difficult situation. But at his level, he can stay on the field more. It's an extra down for an offense that he feels he can make a difference. So that's a huge factor. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I'm not a anybody that says we're going to do this all the time without exception. Be leery of that. That's just a instead of thinking we're just going to do this, well, Football is a game of adjustments. Coaching, players, and if you don't have the ability to understand what the percentages are for you in this situation and what works best for you against this opponent in time and distance, 
it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's Now, if you're built to where you can't really play defense, and so you're not going to punt and protect the lead, you're going to go for it, that's what you do, that's what you do. But that overall philosophy where you have no ability to play good defense or get off the field, it's going to prevent you from being really good. But at a level where you go and you can do it, where it's fun and exciting, I don't have any qualms about it. And I do think it has made a lot of people analytically look at the percentages of going for it in certain situations a little bit more. I think that's fine. I, I think the best thing about analytics is when I get analytical information, and I do, it makes me make sure to check something again and again. Okay, yeah, that's in a general sense, that makes sense. Let's see from a certain level of specificity with the team, does that make sense here? Anything that is universal, absolute, do it all the time, no exceptions, that's that's not smart football in my view. Uh, I want to get into uh, something, though, that, that real quick. Um, I do want to address something that happened and how it might relate to this season in football. Everybody, I'm sure, is aware of what happened in the College Wall Series this weekend with NC State. And very unfortunate for those young men that didn't get a chance to play. As you know, Vanderbilt won the first game against Mississippi State. Um, sitting there and was going to watch it as I was doing work Friday, watching um, – Vandy getting ready to play NC State, and all this stuff blew up. And NC State's playing with, you know, a lot of missing players, and they lose, and that's that. Uh, then it's canceled. So I'm thinking Saturday, oh, we'll have a doubleheader with uh, with Mississippi State, um, uh, a chance to advance. And Vanderbilt have a uh, uh, NC State has a chance to advance. They were the two unbeaten teams, and boom, no doubleheader. Mississippi State, Texas, we'll see what they do. Texas wins, and then Mississippi State comes back and wins it in Game Three. Uh, excuse me, the the not Game Three, but the the uh, double elimination game. Uh, Vanderbilt advances. Um, here's what I want to say about it. I, first of all, I think it's unfortunate. Um, but what does it really mean in 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 terms of the SEC and other conferences? One, this is an NCAA protocol because it's an NCAA event. Curious to see, in July, what um, each conference does, whether the NCAA weighs in on it. Um, The protocols of this football season, really important. Um, As I understand it, currently, in this situation, Obviously, Vanderbilt had everybody vaccinated. They were not subject to the same testing. NC State, a number of players chose not to get vaccinated because they thought they might have some um, repercussions or you know ill effects during the season. They didn't want to do it. I'm not a. Uh, I don't like the whole political stuff of COVID. I believe everybody should do and talk to their doctor, and we're not talking about that. In terms of athletics, what is going to be interesting is the stance that is taken by the conference commissioners and everyone involved. It appears, at least right now, unless they change the protocol, that like it or not, if you, you're you going to have a much, you'd be in a much, advent, much better advantageous situation if you everybody on your team takes the vaccine because then you're subject to different testings or or none at all perhaps depending on how they write the protocol going forward well you you and I'm not criticizing because I don't know the situation but if NC State for example had everybody tested or um, excuse me everybody taking the vaccine they would have never been tested see the issue is and I know that there were like four players that had the vaccine that tested positive. I, I, I think the medical people say that you can have the vaccine and still get the virus. What they think is that if you have the vaccine and you get the virus, it won't be as bad. Most of the players that are in this 
college athletic environment, they are going through extensive physical. So if they've got any asthmatic conditions or anything that would be negative, that, that should be tracked, traced and tracked. And those are guys that probably wouldn't pass the physical anyway, but certainly there may be a reason why they shouldn't get the vaccine. If there is, there is. But I think going forward, what's going to be interesting is how this may affect the season. And I'm sensing that at least in the SEC, Greg Sankey is going to put a lot of pressure on get your players the vaccine. It's going to be the best chance to avoid anybody missing time or it's a way around the testing more than anything else. It doesn't mean that you've got less chance of getting it or more chance of getting it. it. It's just that it's going to be a way around the testing. So I'm curious to see what the testing protocols are. And we all know that I probably have a pretty good feel for what the SEC might do. But I'm curious to see what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 does. So I, I thought this weekend was a, to me, was a bucket of ice water just thrown at me thinking about, my goodness, we're not completely out of this as it relates to the football season, that this could be an issue going forward. Um, and I'm not in the side of everybody should get a test, nobody should. That's that's individual. For players, and I'm curious to see what they say. You have a right to not take the test? Um You know, but if you don't, then it may affect um, the situation here and on on uh, in the program. I'm curious to see how coaches handle it. Rich asks, have they announced um, who's going to be the sixth conference as far as college football expansion goes? There's no, there's no college football expansion rates, and there's no six conference. They've got, it's, it's you've got, um, you've got uh, basically six. You've got the five power conferences, and the six is going to be not from a conference. It's going to be the best. It's going to be the conference champion of a group of five. So it, it's not announced who it's going to be. It's going to be, an, it's going to be the highest rated conference champion among those whereas the Power Five will, will absolutely get in. Chet, good morning, Chet. Chet says, how many college football players died last fall before the vaccine was available? And do we know if they gave someone else could COVID die? If so, how was it proven the spread happened? I have no idea, Chet. I don't know that any have um, died. I mean, it may have. I don't know. I don't think it's a, personally, here's the thing, to your point, though, it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I know there's got to be, there's so much pressure in society to make sure that you're overcautious, but it doesn't appear it's a big risk. And if you take the vaccine, it's supposed to be less risk. But even if you get it, I don't know how many. Now, there, there's some players. Now, I will say this. I know this. There are some players, maybe a little bit older guys. I do know some guys in the NFL that had it that were never the same all season. Um, they got real sick and just from a, you know, but look, I, I don't know. And, and I I don't have the answer. My thing is the protocol. And it's not what the protocol should be, but what will it be? You know, I don't know what it should be. I'm not qualified to say what's the right thing to do medically. I'm not a political person, so I don't I don't care about that. I, but I do get the the feeling of I think it's political on both sides, and I, I think it's unfortunate, and it's why I sustain it overall. Um, I'm bringing it out because I think I hate it for NC State. I actually think, and maybe I'm naive here, I think what happened this weekend is going to be, as I said, it was a bucket of cold water to my face, I think it's going to be to the administrators. I think it's going to be, we better get our bleep in gear and we better have a tighten-up system, a plan for this football season to prevent this from happening 
to us. What an embarrassment College World Series this happens. I don't think this is, I think it'll be buttoned up to where this will not be something that'll happen. Certainly in a pivotal game. I don't think you can afford to have it happen if you're in college football. I think you got to be really, I think you need to be smart about it. But I, you know, I think that, um, you know, in some institutions, that's the other thing. Like Vanderbilt, they can require their kids to take it. State schools, you got some, you know, state laws, you can't make them take it, well, then you can't make them do it in the school. Um, Blake asked, what if the vaccine doesn't protect against the Delta variant? I have no idea. Because I've heard about the Delta I don't know. And you guys may know, I mean, I heard that, oh, it will help, it, it will help protect them. I don't know. Anybody know? I mean, it, it, can you believe anything? I don't know. I, I, it's, a, it's a great point. Um, look, I, I would not want to be in a position to have to make some of these decisions because I have enough issues dealing with the football stuff that I know, which makes sense. But how do you prepare for this? I, I think you got to be smart about it. Um, and I think as long as you test, I, I think you're going to have, whether you took the vaccine or not, I think you're going to have positives. I think you are. I think you're going to have it. Now, what are you going to do about it? What does it mean? How risky is it? Do you do you sit that player out? And then he's been coming in contact with half the team. Within, again, uh, uh, we've gone through the same thing we did last year. I let me, let me give my thoughts, and I don't know that they're the right thoughts, and they're open up to criticism, um, but I did speak with someone in the SEC office that's a friend, and I – I was talking a little bit about what my understanding of what the NFL is doing. And I, I'm not one of these folks that say, you know, college needs to do with the NFL. But college needs to really learn a lot from the NFL on how they organize things. They're not perfect, no question. But so the NFL, and they've got a collective bargaining agreement. And, and what they're planning on doing, for example, is, they're trying to push for everybody to get vaccinated. But there's some players you probably heard Cole Beasley come on and say he's not taking it. He doesn't believe in it. So, okay. Right now, the league is thinking about allowing the teams, and I think they're going to go through with this, if a player tests positive and he hadn't taken the vaccine, then the team can put them on the non-football injury list, which I don't want to get into a lot of details because I I get long-winded, as you guys know. That puts him in a a very precarious situation because he's not doing what he's been instructed to do medically. If the medical folks say, and I'm not talking about people on TV, whatever, if the medical people that are overseeing the conferences, overseeing the NFL say, look, you should take it because this, it's not a guarantee of anything, but it is, uh, we feel as best we know, and they can't know for certain, this is the best chance for you to avoid problems. You should take this. Uh, and if you don't take it, then that could cause you some, some problems if you test positive. And then maybe even it may factor in at the bottom of your roster, who you might keep. Think about this. Do you want somebody that, if you want a player that is, if you got two players at the bottom of your roster and one of them is more risky than others of, of spreading it, I think it factors into what decision you make. I, I think it's the NFL did not miss one game last year. I, I would say really study conference commissioners, what the NFL is doing, how they do it. They've got a lot more money. Um, the Blake says, how do you, you know players' vaccine status if it's protected by privacy laws? State laws, that's an issue. Part of a collective bargaining agreement. Um, uh, do, you know, again, can you get around it? Some think you can. In the league, you can. But I don't know. I'm not a legal. I'm not a legal expert. I'm not a lawyer. Can you do that? Can you require that? Well, right now, you can't require them to take it. Um, but I don't know if you can require them to prove it. Again, 
How do you prove it? Well, I, I took it because my doctor told me, and you got a little card. I'm sure most of you have as well. I don't know about proving it. I don't know about proving if you had it. So I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. My concern is that um, HIPAA laws is federal. I, I, I think you're right. Um, but you can also, I, 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 you're not, you're, you're you don't have a right to know my medical information, but I can volunteer it to you. And I think that's probably the way to get around. And, you know, if you can't, if you're not willing, well, then what does that mean? And, and, and again, it's very confusing, but it seems like the, the safest thing is for if you and you're not going to have full vaccination the safest thing is for people to be vaccinated because that is going to affect the testing procedure and the testing procedure again I, i'm not criticizing uh but can you imagine if and i i don't think it was right that would happen i think that nc state should have been allowed to play but the bottom line is they probably would have had to play shorthanded anyway it's still better than saying they're done but think about this do we know that 10 players at Vanderbilt didn't have it either with no symptoms well they were never tested because they were fully vaccinated so my point is only and I'm not necessarily in favor of requiring to take the vaccine but I got to tell you I think there's going to be strong strong encouragement to take it because it's going to avoid a lot of potential issues so i wanted to bring that out food for thought it's something that i know the nfl is working hard on it's something college football is going to have to work on and i do think there there are federal hipper laws that break bring up lakes bring up i think that there's different state regulations community regulation i, I don't know and uh state schools private schools gonna be interesting to see we know that how people view it the west coast east coast you know uh, the south everybody has different views um uh, got a question a couple of questions there um who asked me here uh, got this question here from joshua asked about uh the big 10 and can any uh do you see anybody beating ohio state this year in the big 10 i do not i think ohio state probably even be a little bit better this year uh, even with people think it's a transition i think they're going to be really good and i don't see anybody beating them in fact you look at their schedule oregon's going to be a challenge i don't think um that anybody other than oregon and i think that'll be a, a challenge but i don't see anybody beating them in the conference i think ohio state from a schedule standpoint probably got um the easiest path. If you think about what Alabama would like to have to go through in the SEC championship, would Georgia and which Clemson have to go through playing each other? Um, I think that Ohio State's probably in the in the safest position to get into the playoffs. We'll see. Uh, I think they're a really good team, and I think they've really separated. I don't think Penn State is. I think that uh, they'll be better, but I don't think they'll be as good. What are some hot seat coaches? Um, well, everybody, define hot seat coaches, coaches that are in danger of losing their job um, that we need to watch at this point. Um, I, I think still Clay Helton would, would jump out at me as someone that would be in potential trouble because I think the money's going to go down. And I think as the money goes down, uh, the buyout. And they've got a lot of issues going on with uh, – some off the field um, um, problems, their medical school and finances, but I, th I think that is one to watch. I do think um, I think Justin Fuente is one to watch. I don't know um, a bad year would, would probably force the hand at a very patient program uh, at the Virginia Tech. Dino Babers is somebody to watch. Dana Holgerson. There's a number of others that, depending on how the season starts, it could be an issue. Um, yeah, so. Um, what is... 
what does he? I had a couple other questions. Oh, how do you how do you evaluate coaches? Is the other one we're going to get to. Well, there's um, we go to it, we go to it in detail on Landry football, but um, so I'm going to just hit on some high points. When you depends upon the position that you're hiring, but there are a few things I look at. Um, There, in character loyalty, uh, coaching reputation, the respect level among your peers in the football community, not the public perception or the media perception, but I look at that, the character, the loyalty, coaching reputation, the background, the experience, um, the achievement level to that point in his career, depending on what they've done, um, you know, association with a winning program will, will help bring about in spotlight a coach, but it's not not a necessity. Um, um, player staff, player development. So it, it relates to like a head coach, for example, the ability to teach, communicate, and develop players' technical skills. Um, that's an individual position coaching thing. Um, knowledge of the positional technique, the use of players within a scheme concept, the ability to motivate and generate the most out of a player's ability uh, includes the ability to teach and develop uh, assistant coaches on the staff. If you're a coordinator, for example, you guys on your side of the ball, your head coach, everybody, I think that's important. Some guys you hear me talk about, some guys are delegators. Well, doesn't mean they can't be successful. But when you delegate, the success or the failure is going to be more on the coordinators, the assistant coaches as a whole. If you're a, not just a good leader, but you're a good teacher as a head coach. If you have a knowledge, and let me just say this. You get this a lot. Well, this guy's a great defense coach. I don't know anything about offense. Bull. Okay. One of the best ways you go about learning offense is by learning from defensive coaches because they know what gives them trouble and so if you're a good offensive line coach defensive line coach secondary coach there's no better way than to understand the other side of the ball than to be able to go against it so but if you're not really good as a technique a technician if you're a recruiting guy you're more of an overseer and more of a delegator you can't really develop that staff. You can't jump in if there's a problem and begin to fix it. You have to have somebody else to fix it. That's not ideal. That's that's putting it in the hands of someone else and that could be good, that could not be good. Ed Orgeron's a perfect example. Tremendous success, he hit it right, hit the jackpot two years ago. Now, you know, it's, the staff is not as good. Last year was a disaster. Why? Because Bo Pelini was a disaster and the offensive coordinator, Scott Linehan, was a disaster. So what was the season last year? A disaster. Um, Dabo Sweeney is another delegator. Much more consistency. Why? Staff stays in good place. Brent Venables, the defense is taken care of. The defensive staff is taken care of. He doesn't have to work. Offensively, you saw what happened in the championship game. They lost, excuse me, not the championship game, in the national playoffs, when their offense coordinator has got COVID, it's a mess. You know, Dabble says nothing's going to change. And BS, because he's got a card and he, he can't call play. He's never done it. So it was a big factor. It was a big factor in, in their lack of success. So in other cases, you can make that transition because you have somebody that's really good in, in, in that aspect. The technical. What is technical? That's the ability to design, implement game plans, creating favorable matchups, and game day adjustment. It also includes the, the teaching of assistant coaches in a classroom situation. This is this is what we call knowing football, the technical side. Now, some guys are really good at that, but they're not as good teachers. Teaching is the ability to translate the knowledge from one technical sense on the practice field where you can creatively get your point across in various manners to help players understand um, 
thoroughly, quickly. Motivation is a part of teaching. You know this. Every one of you have been in school. You know some teachers are better at getting the point across. I remember being in college at LSU and in a history class, and there was one teacher that talked like this for an hour three times a week, and he told you about when the Indians started, and, and, and my God, you could take, you'd need a, a, somebody to hit you across the head to judge Then there were other guys that were really good. They brought the topic to life. That's really important. Being a good teacher to, to not only know, you may know the topic. And I remember the guy was one of the great knowledgeable guys, but personality just wasn't good at all. Teaching, the ability to do that is important. Talent evaluator. This is more important, obviously, in college football because you've got your recruiting area. Now, you've got some areas that you can assist, and if you miss on guys, you can go back. But it's the ability to identify the technical and athletic traits of a player. It includes the ability to evaluate other coaches' skills, too, uh, is important. Um, then recruiting salesmanship. That's the ability to show verbally and on the, the grease board and in film cutups how a player fits into your football system as well as how he fits into the chemistry of the football team community. Um, now, this is more college, but believe it or not, in when you're recruiting players and free agents in the NFL, the money is going to be what it is. That's going to decide whether a guy comes or not. But if the money is relatively equal, how you fit, how you fit as a linebacker in our scheme, how you fit as a safety in our all that's going to be really important. Uh, and then program team management, the ability to work with staff, administrators, personnel, support staff, I think in order to be as successful as a coach, you got to be an outstanding in five of those areas and good in at least two. No one's perfect in every area. If he's lacking, if a head coach, for example, is lacking in any of those areas, or even as a coordinator, you must hire assistant coaches that are exceptionally well where he's not strong. In these areas, the quality of the staff is more important than, than, um, than who excels in, in those areas. I, again, if you're if you're a coordinator, you're not a good recruiter. You've got to make up for it on your staff. In order to be a good college assistant, you must be outstanding in two of the following three: the technical, the teaching, and recruiting. Okay, if you're a great technical and a great teacher, and you're not a great recruiter, you have to make up for the recruiting on another another member of your staff. But a great coordinator might be good, for example, on campus in the technical side and his recruiting advantage is how he can show the player how he can best fit in this system. Even though he may not be the great recruiting personality, he may be able to help in recruiting in that particular area. The whole recruiting in has to maybe be on a guy like that that's not a great recruiter himself, needs to be buoyed up by somebody else on the staff. In order to be a good NFL assistant, you got to be outstanding in both teaching and um, the knowledge of the game and teaching football on the field. you got to be able to teach it on the blackboard and you got to be able to teach it um, on the field. If you don't do that, recruiting is not a factor. So, um, Rich Coach says, What's your what was your assessment of Johnny Majors as a coach? I thought Johnny was first – First of all, probably the two guys that had the worst reputation to work for were Johnny Majors and Lou Holtz. Probably no two guys treated their assistants worse. And I don't mean working them hard, just lying, treating them, just, just really setting them up for really, really bad reputations. I thought Johnny, um, he had some success at Tennessee, a couple of big wins, no doubt. Um I, I don't think it was any doubt that um, Philip Fulmer did a better job than he did because he's a better recruiter. But um, I, I think Johnny did a really good job at, at Pittsburgh. Uh, this was before scholarship limitations. He did a really good job. They did a pretty good job at Iowa State um, as well. But, um, you know, he wasn't a great recruiter. Jackie Sherrill was his chief recruiter. Uh, at Pitt, and um, 
you know, I, I, I probably not as high on Johnny Majors as other people are, but I think he was a very good coach. Do you think Florida, Woodchick King, good morning, Woodchick King, do you think Florida State is progressing in the investment into their program after failing, falling so far behind? I think what they've progressed is I think they're recruiting well, and I'm very curious to see if Mike and his staff, by the way, big-time uh, offensive tackle commitment. Um, we got it in our notebook yesterday. Um, I think he's done a, doing a good job recruiting. We'll see how well he can finish. I think um, in terms of um, fundraising, I think it's getting better. But again, when you're that far behind, uh, I don't know that it's going to show up. I think it's going to take a, at least uh, a couple of more years before they can start to make strides to where they're even – I mean, look, I think North Carolina is in a better position right now. They, they, the challenge for Florida State is to become – the second best looking program in that conference, which it should be no less than second best. Um, the fact that it's not is an indication of how poor of a job they've done in the past. Is it getting better? I, I think it's better. I think that's fair, but um, I don't think it's where it needs to be. Hey, um, want to tell you a little bit about the great folks at Blue Skies. They believe in being fast, fresh, friendly. Uh, their thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Skies hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience. From service to products, Blue Skies plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their name brand products and the best services available. They even bring in some newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer service experience. A smile can say it all, and Blue Skies wants to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. And they'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any of our 48 store locations across the Southeast. Also, a big thanks to Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. They are your trailer-specific professionals. If you want to haul it, they can call it. Alpha is the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got low trail, the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment, dump gooseneck trailers being built today, fully primed and powder coated. Load trail, uh, low trail trailers come with an industry leading three year warranty and two years roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark cargo trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. Alpha can even work with third parties to have gamely trailers uh, and concession trailers built. For our podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. Well, uh, they have a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and much more. They also do all types of truck accessories. Listeners can also get 10% off yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha Full service shops. They can also repair all types of trailers, concession, horse utility, enclosed, gooseneck, and RV. Give them a call at 601-932-9798 or check them out at www.alphaofms.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about us, uh, Alpha, on MPW Digital Network of Podcast. So we appreciate both of them. Um, want to remind you, We've got the latest news and notes up at LandryFootball.com. Uh, what's going on in the offseason work in the NFL? Uh, we've got tons of recruiting information. Just this weekend, University of Washington gets a big defensive line commitment. Um, Texas lands a big uh, four-star running back. Um, learned the latest on the big five-star defensive lineman, Shamar Stewart, and where he's uh, looking at. Notre Dame gets a four-star defensive lineman. Florida State, as I mentioned, has got a big offensive this weekend. Check out the details on those guys uh, as well. Uh, we are uh, uh, continuing with all the previews, uh, college previews, NFL previews, grading uh, not only coaches, but grading um, position by position. So you want to check it out all at LandryFootball.com. We've got it all for you there. Take advantage of our scouting season offer today. Um, another question I didn't get to. We're running short of time. We've got to move on. Uh, wanting to rank the SEC coaches. I'll do that perhaps on Friday. Uh, but really appreciate everybody joining me uh, here today, uh, which at King Rich and Blake and, and uh, Chet and uh, Cole and 
uh, Rich and CPT David, um, uh, Stowizu, Ben joining us, Grind joining us. Uh, so appreciate everybody's involvement. Bring your questions uh, on Friday. Uh, we'll uh, get into more uh, of what's going on. A lot of college football. Look, I'm going to tell you what the plan is going to be is we're going to eventually get into more detail. I'm going to get more into detail breaking down each of the teams in the SEC being at an SEC show. A um, little bit more detail, each of the teams, the programs, what have you. So we really appreciate everybody joining us. Have a great day, everybody, and join us again on Friday. And a reminder to check us out over at LandryFootball.com. So long. Have a great one, everyone.